0: friends of course i go by the name of the kid famous you and now tuned into the tim and friends show hello education entertainment coast to coast ball it up call it entertainment let's get this started uncle tim let's start this show in five four three two one let's go this
1: is tim and friends Tuesday, March 22nd. I'm Tim McAuliffe, and I always have to lean back because if I actually yell into the microphone, I might blow people's speakers. Yeah, i kind, of yeah. yeah, kind of a loud voice. Yeah, kind of a loud voice. It is deep, but it's also very loud. Yeah, very great. loud. Like, like I'm, I'm a good like. Hey, you kids! Keep it down back there! Like, I'm good at that. You're
2: blessed, though. Like, I would take that. I have a weak voice. <laughs> that's, uh, that's Jesse. I don't know if you've got a weak voice. I have a, an average voice. You have a real person voice. You have an above, above average uh, volume. Right. Yeah. But you could do that if you really wanted Absolutely to. Absolutely positively not. You could. It doesn't, there's, no. It it does it. Doesn't, I can't it. summon it like hey, that. Jesse, you can do it's it. Not, put your back into it. Yeah. I mean, you're wrong, but okay.
1: <laughs> Rubinoff's here, as always, and today a cavalcade of wonderful friends, including Nick Kiprios, Kevin Weeks, and Dominic Moore on a great hockey roundtable. Betty Wagner from Dunedin. As the excitement around the Jays, am I wrong in this, seems to be growing by the hour. It's because they hit bombs every hour. Raking like. again today. We've got some news and highlights for you in a flash. James Sharman on the verge of what could be The most historic week in Canadian soccer. And Canada basketball president and CEO Michael Bartlett is attempting to kick off the exact same movement on the hard court. He's going to drop by a little later on with a special and exclusive announcement that will be unleashed right here. On Tim and Friends, I'm looking forward to it all. Hope you are as well. We're also looking forward to a remarkably important Golden Knights and Jets game in Winnipeg that most of the Western Conference will be keeping an eye on tonight. Well, that is if they aren't watching the Oilers in the second half half of back-to-backs as they visit Dallas or the Flames hosting the Sharks in Calgary, both on the Sportsnet family of channels. As always as well as a great matchup between Tampa and Carolina, 7 p.m. Eastern on Sportsnet Ontario, East and Pacific. Got it good, and since you understood, I will also tell you why the Raptors' loss last night was so concerning to me and why the Jays might be the most talked-about team in the bigs this year in First Things First. So let's get this bad boy underway, Ruby. What it be, OG
2: and OB? Nice. They could use him.
0: First please,
2: please. they could use him. Yeah, Get healthy, please, OG Ananobi. Um, but we begin with hockey. And last night, a pair of key games went to overtime. Brad Marchand scored a beautiful game winner. And the Bruins, their fifth win in the last six. Just a nasty, nasty, deep little fake to the backhand. Uh, while the Oilers pushed the league-leading avalanche to OT before a possibly controversial goal from Nathan McKinnon ended it despite the loss. Is this effort a good sign for the Oilers down the stretch team? Okay, so let's not overrate the excitement from
1: the Edmonton Oilers after the game as an idea that the Edmonton Oilers were happy with losing. I saw so many reactions to the reaction that it ended up pissing me off a little bit. What they did five on five against the Avs is important because most of this year the Edmonton Oilers – have struggled five on five and they didn't allow a goal five on five the two goals that they got in regulation were off bodies like I know a lot of people who don't watch the Oilers a lot were having. An opinion on what the Oilers fans reaction to this game was and maybe even what the Oilers themselves reacted to this game. But when you struggle as much as Edmonton has this year five on five to go toe to toe blow for blow with what is most probably pound for pound the best hockey team in the league. It is a good sign. It is a good sign that their goalie kept them in it. It is a good sign That they went to overtime on the road while playing pretty good hockey. That they can compete with one of the better teams in the National Hockey League. I get this isn't, this is not a league for moral victories. Okay? I completely understand it. But if you've watched them all year long, Jesse, there are a couple of really good signs in that game. Were there not about what the Oilers might be able to do this year. If they play well five-on-five, five, and more importantly, and probably a bigger if, if they get goaltending.
2: Yeah. I mean, we're not going to sit here and answer the goaltending question. No. Because it won't be answered basically until the playoffs now. But like you said, a lot of good signs. And I think a lot of it comes from sort of how they've rejigged the lines with specifically the McDavid and playing with Kane now and Yamamoto. Yamamoto and Kane have been insane lately. Yeah. Like Evander Kane, you saw his goal last night. That is exactly what the Oilers wanted from Evander Kane. He makes the hit behind the net, then he gets the puck back in front of the net, makes a nifty move, shows off the hands, and scores. And you have a guy now that you basically added like
3: for, for free, for free, My essentially.
2: God, yeah. And he's on a forty-goal pace. Yeah, a forty-goal. So you added a forty-goal scorer for free. Not saying that he would get there if it was an eighty-two-game season, but that's the pace that he's on. But the so thirteen goals in twenty-four games. Yeah. yeah, thirteen goals in twenty-four games. So, so if you look at the forward depth that they have. I mean, I'm going to put it up there with the Aves because the Aves are an absolute wagon, but the, the Oilers no, have an the Oilers, unbelievable listen,
1: forward group. If the Oilers get play from Evander King, and Kyler Yamamoto was just, Kyler Yamamoto might have been the best player on the ice last night. Yeah. The difference between good and great is consistency. You've got to do it a lot, but he's got five goals, I believe, in his last six games. Yeah. They're 5 0 1 over that span. And he looked like a guy that could really be a pain in the ass to play against for other teams. And what you've been saying for years in Edmonton is who beside Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle are going to make you pay. Mm -hmm. And under Jay Woodcroft, I mean, listen, Evander Kane's real deal. And say what you will about the dude that arrived in Edmonton. The dude that arrived in Edmonton also wants to get a good contract next year. Yeah. Right? And he's playing like he wants a good contract next year and those 13 goals. But Kyler Yamamoto, like that's just, he's kind of, and listen, that's the growth of a young player in this league, sometimes under the spotlight of a Canadian team. But if he can take it to that level, then you might have a few guys outside of dry and mm-hmm. McDavid that can make some noise. And the other thing that a lot of people were talking about <laughs> in that game was the play between Nazem Kadri and Darnell Nurse at the end of the game that led to a two on one for the Avs that won the game and here's the beauty of it not a lot of people know that now if you intentionally take a guy's helmet off it's a penalty mm-hmm. and there is absolutely no way that Nazem Kadri didn't purposely pull off the helmet of Darnell nurse knowing full well in his own defensive zone he has to go immediately to his bench. it's a smart play if you can get away with it, it is a smart play. But this is a new rule, and it's because you have to go to the bench now when your helmet comes off. And I think the NHL's got to do something about that or have the guts in a three-on-three overtime to make that call because what happened was, if you didn't notice, two-on-one on Connor McDavid, Cal McCarr doing Cal McCarr things, Nathan McKinnon doing Nathan McKinnon things.
2: Yeah, I mean, you look at the play. If you run, if you want to play the the whole play once again, you, there's that penalty. We should have been a penalty. They called it like it's like playoff yeah. officiating. And then which McDavid grabs. We, we the stick. talked, and then McDavid grabs McKinnon's stick. McKinnon right. falls. Ultimately, he still ends up scoring. But there are a couple penalties in one play that they both should have been called, and neither of them were called. And that's how the game ends. So it's just it's a very classic playoff type officiating that I know you have harped on. For a very long time, to just be consistent—that's all anybody asks, right?
1: Be consistent. Yeah,
2: I don't mind the let them play game.
1: I honestly don't. But if there's a penalty, call the penalty, right? Yeah. Like that's that's the problem. Is once you swallow the whistle on one thing, then you're chasing it the entire game, and that's when people get pissed off. But for me, listen, baby steps for this team. A lot of a lot of people in Edmonton wanted more from. The Oilers at the deadline, Ken Holland didn't do it. He is being paid very handsomely to do things that he didn't do at that deadline. We're hearing that we won't get Broussard and Kulak for tonight. But listen, there are a lot of folks in Edmonton that wanted more than Broussard and Kulak. That's what you got. You got to move forward with this squad. And under Jay Woodcroft, they've played pretty well. Can they continue that with that goaltending and with those pieces around McDavid and Dry Saddle. last night they did. And for me,
2: that's a good sign. Yeah, they're playing well. So you mentioned um, that we sent out an engager asking people if they thought the cadre... Pulling the helmet off of Nurse was a penalty. Let's get to a couple responses because there was a, there, lot, there was of was a lot of Instagram, uh, of like over
1: 250 it or was something like that. It was 200
2: on in Twitter. Like, it was crazy. So, the sum of all beers writes in and says, uh, yeah, it should have been a penalty. But at full speed, it almost looked as though Nurse pushed him. And as he's falling, he just grabs for anything. Basic human reaction. But slowing down, it looks a lot more intentional. I don't blame the refs on this one because they see it at full speed. Okay, cool. Which is a fair point. Yeah. I think we, we often have the benefit of looking back on it afterwards. Dallas Eakin's hair. Great. Great. Oh. Uh, but her name. sure seems that way. It was intentional and gave the Avs the advantage because Nurse couldn't play without his helmet on. Uh, refs missed a lot of obvious calls in this game. The rule is going to be abused by guys to the other team's advantage. Uh, Adam Style says not at all. And yeah. the fact that you have to blow it up tells me you're looking too hard. <laughs> Another loss for the oil. But, uh, yeah, he's got a Leaf logo in his profile picture. Right. Uh, Sid says Qadri looks like he's trying to perform a DDT on Nurse. <laughs> nice. It's amazing the different uh, – different opinions you get on one play and Slavin writes in such a dumb rule that you have to skate off the ice I get it well that, but it's not realistic
1: that 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 last one Slavin is mm-hmm. the way I feel is like if you're going to make the player skate off the ice then you got to call the penalty mm-hmm. then you got to be watching it that closely we'll ask our hockey roundtable which is coming up uh, a little later on
2: um so the Winnipeg Jets lose uh, Andrew cop in a trade mm-hmm. yesterday and Blake Wheeler today met with the media and was asked about the team's direction given the move that they made at the trade deadline have a listen
4: from the business side of things uh, yeah I mean you if, if we're in first place you know you probably don't trade uh, trade copper and um, you go for it and um, you know with where we're positioned now um, you know if we end up not making the playoffs it'd be foolish to lose them for nothing so i mean that's that is what it is it's just kind of part of part of the game
5: that said blake by by adding a couple guys as well chevy talked yesterday about trying to kind of backfill you don't take it as a waving the white flag on the season by selling off andrew do you
4: is that what i just said
5: i'm not sure i'm just asking to clarify if if you view it as
4: is not just. I just want to be real clear that that's not what I just said. Just, no, I know. Okay. You didn't
2: really, you didn't really actually say what kind of message you think it said.
4: Um, no, I just said I understand what, I understand, the thought process behind it. Um, I didn't take it as any type of message. I think you just have to be realistic with where we're positioned. That was why I answered it how I how I did. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't with where we're positioned, I don't think that anyone's waving the white flag. I think we're still very much in the
2: battle and very much in the
4: fight.
1: He explained himself pretty well for what was a tough question, right?
2: Yeah, I I think what's happening with Blake Wheeler is that uh, this isn't the first time, even in the last month, that he's sort of had these back and forths with reporters. Like, I don't think that one was that adversarial, but uh, it tends to pick up some traction because he's one of the few players where he actually engages with the reporters in sort of a a conversation and asks them to to, clarify. clarify. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Is that refreshing?
1: Like, to me, very refreshing. Like, you're going to get the answer. Sometimes the media wants the gotcha answer. Mm-hmm. And to me, I think it's horse bleep. Yeah. I think like, to have a natural conversation will get you more from the player than you would in the gotcha moment, though I know gotcha is all about clicks. And Wheeler does that. And I thought he explained the situation perfectly. Like He completely understands what happened in Winnipeg.
2: And if you don't understand that, then you don't understand hockey. Yeah, he said exactly what you and Elliot were talking about in the studio yesterday, right? That sometimes, specifically in this season, teams are trying to get to the playoffs, but there doesn't mean that they're waving a white flag. They're trying to see what they can get. from But I don't the even think he's.
1: I think it. he went a step further and said, "I understand why we would deal Kopp. Mm-hmm. because if he's not coming back, then you better get something for it." Yeah. And I, listen, I, I thought Wheeler did a really good job, and that game tonight, Jesse Rubinoff, Golden Knights, Jets is remarkably important to a lot of teams in the Western Conference, not the least of which the Winnipeg Jets. Because if they beat the Vegas Golden Knights, who have played more and are banged up than a lot of those teams chasing them, it could open the door not only for the Jets, but the Canucks as well. And if you want to throw the stars into that mix, you can as the Oilers face Dallas tonight.
2: We're getting down to that time of the season where it's going to be fun to track all of those teams, not yeah, just the team you, exactly. We're in score. This
1: is it. Treating. Yeah.
2: Uh, okay, an intriguing game for the Toronto Blue Jays earlier this afternoon. We get our first look at Yusei Kikuchi, plus the spring debuts of George Springer and Kevin Biggio. Tim, once again, would you please do us the honor of taking us through the highlights from today's I action?
1: I would love to, love Mr. It. Rubinoff. Love and we begin it. Yankees, Jays, Dunning, Matt Chapman, Louris Gurriel, Obviously becoming fast friends. George Springer after we asked yesterday when he was going to start in center field did. Bottom of the first chase bats come out swinging. Springer, Bichette, Vladdy opened the game with three straight singles. Next batter, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. And he will go deep and off the walls. RBI double off of Jordan Montgomery. They're already raking 3-0 in the opening frame before Yusei Kikuchi even hits the bump. Lefty came out hot, strikes out the side in the second. Two innings, no hit ball, strikes out four, gave up one walk, easy. Take it easy, Blue Jays fans. It's a good outing, but... All right, Kevin Biggio lines a single to right. This it is a big year for Kevin Biggio. He was two for two on the day. Top four now, 4-1. Ender in Seattle stealing Danny Jansen up throwing. There's Matt Chapman in time, but look at this. Take it easy, Jesse. It's a cut. He'll be fine. We've <laughs> all had them. Did not require stitches. Did not return, but it is a little bit of a boo-boo. Bottom four bases loaded. Randall Grichick. That right there, Jesse, is what they call a four-run shot, otherwise known as a grand slam. Blue Jays take it 9-2 the final as they continue to absolutely rake on a day where not only did Matt Chapman get cut, a little boo-boo, a little bleeding, a little out of the game, but he also made some money. He got an extension, two years, $24 million for the ARB eligible, or once was ARB eligible, Matt Chapman and the way this breaks down is basically he did not give up any free agent years and Jeff Passon explains this well mm-hmm. in the tweet but he just got some certainty for 2023 regardless of how he performs Jays hope that he performs really well in 2022 and they get some value in 2023 because if he went to arb this year or they just signed a one year mm-hmm. Then they'd have to go back to arbitration next year. If he has a big year, it could cost you more than it would this year.
2: Yeah. No, that makes got sense. Got it? Yeah, that makes sense. And it, it helps with future moves that they may make, whatever their inner budget that they're working with is. They now at least know what they're paying him.
1: Cost certainty. Cost certainty. All around. And if you're Matt Chapman, you got million money. certainty. Million certainty. And then like you hit that. free agency. Must be nice again. Looks like he's good, though. Looks like the hip is good. <laughs>
2: They are good. They had, in the first inning, three singles. I know, I know, I know. But three straight singles, all exit velocity over 105 miles an hour. Like that's what they're going to do here.
1: There was a lot of hard-hit balls today.
2: That's what they're going to do. We'll see how long uh, they can keep it up, whether they can rake the now, entire 162. Hold on, Last like, spring be, training games? Let's be
1: honest. We haven't had exit velocities a lot in spring training, right? So maybe that's like, wrong. No, what I'm saying is, when you're a pitcher and you go out to work in spring training, you groove some fastballs. You're trying to make sure that you're doing all the right things mechanically. So, like, yes, a lot of hard-hit balls, but also a lot of pitchers just trying to get their work in.
2: Yeah, it's hard for me to tame the excitement I got. to be.
1: I know it is, and there's going to be a lot. Listen, (laughs) I don't want to tame any excitement. That's not my goal here. Just spring training, let it flow, but let's not get too far ahead of this. And it's a marathon.
2: I mean, 162. Once the season starts. Yeah.
1: It's a marathon. Okay. We've gone uh, through that before. 100%. That won't stop anybody.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah. Uh, the Toronto Raptors missed out on an opportunity to catch Cleveland for sixth in yeah. the Eastern Conference last night. On a night where the Cavs lost to the Lakers, which is a shocker. <laughs> the Dinos fell to the polls. 113-99. Not... Tim, with just 10 games left in the season, which is crazy. Are the Raptors destined for the playing tournament here?
1: Um, by the way, before I get into the answer for that... Did the Minnesota Timberwolves just do the rest of the NBA a disservice and wake up the Lakers? Like, did they, did Patrick Beverly and Carl Anthony Towns clowning the Lakers, like, shake them out of their slumber? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's two pretty impressive. I know it's not the Toronto and Cleveland of a couple of years ago, but yeah. that's two pretty impressive wins for the Lakers. Uh, yesterday, though, for the Raptors, that was a tough one. That was, listen, it'll come down to Thursday they play Cleveland. And Cleveland lost last night. Toronto winning would have had them, even with Cleveland, and just a half game back of the Bulls for fifth. That one hurt last night. Toronto could have made some serious ground, but they ran out of gas in the third quarter. The injuries, the schedule, starting to catch up again. Obviously, OG Ananobi hasn't played in, what, 15 games? Uh, Gary Trent Jr., Hyperextended toe big now. Big toe, big toe. That's a bad toe to hyperextend. Yeah. If you're going to hyperextend a Think toe, he would have been better. Yeah, you would. Yeah. You would prefer one of the <laughs> carpals or those. Nice, nice kinesiology. Does. That in might high be school? fingers. I don't know. Impressive. Yeah, either way, but the Fred Van Vliet still playing. I want to show you some stats. Okay, yeah. and I want to ask you if perhaps Freddie's knee is becoming a bigger factor than maybe uh, we we are being led to led to believe. Here's Freddie's shooting over the first 52 games, specifically the shooting, because this guy makes impacts even when he's banged up, and I don't want to diminish any of that, but are those tired and or sore legs specifically on the three ball? Because when you're shooting threes, you kind of, you got to get your body into it, and over the last six games, since he's returned from that five-game absence, uh, he's shooting just 25 percent from three, and I yeah. wonder if the knee's bugging like you saw a couple times last night didn 't have it it looked like his looked like he was limping more than just didn't have it
2: yeah I mean one of the things that that really is alarming he said after the game that the knee wasn't responding well to rest, which yeah. we had discussed maybe you sit him down for a while he did sit for a couple games but maybe you sit him down for longer but if it's not it's not uh, adapting to the rest he's not getting better. Like, then what do you do? I think they have a massive decision to make here. Do you go full board to get into the top six? Or do you rest everyone? uh,
1: We're out of time, but here's the answer. Thursday. You're going to find out the answer Thursday. Yes. If they lose to Cleveland, then I think they pull it back. They get everyone healthy. They know they're in the playing game. Mm -hmm. If they win against Cleveland, it becomes much more convoluted and a much tougher question. Great point. A much tougher answer to the question that you just asked. Still to come, Canada basketball president and CEO, Michael Bartlett, stops by the studio for a special announcement Ben Wagner from Dunedin after Springer and Kikuchi's spring debuts and Chapman's new deal plus after the break speaking of deals after a busy trade deadline we break it down wonderful roundtable Nick Kiprios in studio Dominic Moore and Kevin Weeks Tim and friends ready.
6: There's a high fly ball to right field LeMere is back looking up this ball is gone. Brichert with a grand slam home run. LeBron, out,
0: below. Look oh, my out below. oh my lord! Oh my lord!
6: Crockett Marchand walks in, late scores. What a goal! Fred Marchand, the overtime winner.
5: What's up, NHL fans? Breaking NHL fans, breaking news. What's going on, you NHL fans?
0: And there, there it goes! Go. The Canada has qualified for World Cup 86. Oh, what a magic
1: moment. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. You see that round table. That's correct, sir. Second segment on a Tuesday means one of two things. One, I finally do the worm on national TV, or two, the virtual round table has been assembled. Thankfully for my sternum, among other things, it is in fact the latter. One day after the deadline, we have gathered a world-class Hockey Roundtable. I'm Jack. Joining me first in studio, co-host of The Real Kipper and Born, wherever you get your podcasts, the one and only Nick Kiprios. And joining us via Zoom, fresh off of the MIT Smart Folks Convention, Dominic Moore and dropping fresh breaking news from anywhere and everywhere, Kevin Weeks. (laughs) Boys, thanks a lot for doing this. I really
7: appreciate the time. Uh, Is it true, Weeksy, you broke a a trade from scores in New York City? (laughs) (laughs) Uh it it
5: was from your seat
7: there (laughs) 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 That 19 on it it was even in greek it was written in greek too great work man great work
5: (laughs) thank you thank you we had a lot of fun yesterday we've been having a lot of fun in general so uh but no we had fun in studio yesterday at espn cali as you just saw arda everybody was horsing around so uh just brought some levity to it you know how stressful the trade deadline is for for players and families and family members and stuff so just wanted to put a little bit of a different spin on it
1: some knuckleheads down there in the states doing their uh doing their work on deadline so i also left out that all three dudes also happened to play in the nhl cups cup runs hockey news most powerful people in hockey etc 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 but i also wanted to point out before we got started on the round table nick uh that while some might be intimidated by this company your host just so happened to lead the toronto arrows adam double a team in scoring back <laughs> in 1986 87 so like listen i'm not intimidated hey, by this group <laughs> hey keep
5: it on there because here's the thing that you don't know guy leo came and played with us with the toronto red wings that's the first <laughs> second of all joey moss number 12 was my goalie partner
8: later on with the toronto red wings as well <laughs> clearly so... he was a player <laughs> i think i think the uh, the underlying analytics were terrible though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i knew i'd hate that mit news conference for you that's amazing by the way i knew that guy leo went to the red wings yep. i didn't realize he played with you on the red
7: wings that's so good yeah.
5: We're number eight with us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, yes.
7: Nice job digging that one up. I, I was
1: looking thought, for. You thought
5: you had us. You thought you had us, but Dom and
3: I we were quick <laughs> on that one.
1: <laughs> I, I was looking for initially, uh, Jay Woodcroft and I played House League okay. together. And I couldn't find the Jay Woodcroft House League and I found that one. So I decided to
5: doing a great job at everything so the
1: far. Yeah. yeah. The All right, so let's start with the deadline and I'll start with you, Weeksy. Who do, do you think the favorite in the NHL just changed during the deadline?
5: I don't think the favorite just changed. Uh, and I would say this based on how tightly contested it is in the Eastern Conference. It, the Eastern Conference is a wood chipper right now. It's crazy. It's so unforgiving. It's absolutely stacked with outstanding teams. You look at the points percentage, which Dom could get deeper into based on, a, on analytics. But <laughs> if you see the odds here, as you see the odds here, I would say the team for me that won the trade deadline, and everybody's going to say Florida with great reason. I'm going to say the Minnesota Wild. Billy Garen going out and making the moves that he did, capped by getting the flower. Mark Andre Fleury, game changer right there. Dom, you agree?
8: I actually agree and the you know when I, I just did a Minnesota game last week and they have like a stacked forward group there they dropped off the last as a team the last month or so and it was almost entirely due to their goaltending penalty kill was a bit of a struggle but they have more forward depth depth than probably any team in the league I think they have uh, six guys with more than 17 goals I think the only other two teams that have that are Florida. And the Avalanche, that's pretty elite company. So now you bring in uh, an elite goaltender who, by the way, is going to be pumped to be in playoff mode again. Uh, this team, I think, is as good as any in the league. I'm
7: going to stay in the West, and I'm going to go with the Calgary Flames. And yeah. I know it didn't happen in the last 24 hours, uh, but I look at uh, Toffoli and Yarncroft as uh, huge contributors on a team that no one saw pushing Colorado I honestly felt like it was Colorado had some pressure yesterday to kind of keep up with maybe challenging a Calgary uh, series. And I just think with the goaltending now and the fact that Toffoli comes in and, uh, and, and provides that secondary, true secondary scoring, a real threat off of that big line uh, led by Johnny Hockey and, uh, and Lindholm uh, and uh, Matthew Kachuk, and then you factor in Yarncroft, who's you know that, that perfect Swiss Army knife that can play all three positions, second power play, kill a penalty, be out there in the last minute. Uh, I, I really like Calgary moving forward here. All right, let's stay in the West, Weeksy, and, sure. and zero
1: in on the Vegas Golden Knights because they're in a tough spot. This is a real important game tonight against the Winnipeg Jets. They've had a ton of injuries. And now what's going on with their deadline deal?
5: I don't know. Listen, I've been pumping Vegas before they came in the league. I was literally backstage with their owner, Bill Foley at the expansion draft when they were just unveiled and when they selected their initial roster. I love everything. Bill Foley has done for that team as the owner. So progressive. He gets it. He's done an outstanding job. What I don't understand though, is the fact that before we get to the Dodonov situation, Mark Andre Fleury. And I've been saying this for the last three weeks. Sometimes you got to put pride aside. You know, when you're in the you're in the cafeteria back in high school and you're like, I don't know if I'm gonna go talk to you. I don't know, I'm not sure. That's exactly what happened with Vegas. Like to me, I understand that there were some hurt feelings over the trading of Marc-Andre Fleury, but that isn't anything that I don't think was insurmountable to be able to try and reacquire him. They should have, they didn't. So now they don't get a goalie. Robin Leonard's playing with two injuries, one will likely require surgery again in the offseason. And quite frankly, The situation with the Dodonov thing, this team was on his no-trade list. So they trade him to a team that was on his no-trade list. And ultimately, if my understanding is correct, that means he's not going to be able to play the remainder of the season. And that's a roster player for them as well, Don.
8: Yeah, the the thing with me, though, is we don't know the particulars behind the scenes of what their injury situation is. So only Vegas knows kind of how Mark Stone is going to be, how much longer, when he comes back, whether he'll be 100%. I actually am wondering whether they kind of just froze at the deadline because they don't know whether they're actually a contender or not. They didn't want to go all in because they didn't want to give up assets for the future, but they also just kind of wanted to see how how things shook out. Like, I really think they just froze. And, you know, the tough part is they were in a really tough position. They've been absolutely obliterated by injuries all season long, and then it just continued in the last couple of weeks leading up to the deadline. So I really think they, they they just didn't know what to do. And so they did nothing.
7: Well, they're in a fight for their, their playoff lives here. And there's no question that uh, a month ago, it was a foregone conclusion that they were going to be in the playoffs. That's not the case anymore. I hear Stone and Martinez are close and in a perfect world, they were going to shape up their salary cap with Dandanoff going to Vegas to move those guys in. And the, th- the theory was Stone was going to miss the, the rest of the regular season. That's right. not the case. They, they need to bring him back now. Um, but as Weeksy just said, uh, it's, it's pretty simple. They try to trade a guy on a, on a no-trade list. Uh, the contract has no choice. I know we haven't heard from the league officially yet, but this, con- this trade has to be null and void, and he has to go back. And they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do with their salary cap because it's a mess right now. Uh, but there's a lot of finger-pointing going on around the room on what happened. But at the end of the day, it'll get null and void. And they're, they're over the, the salary cap in, in, in so many different ways now. It's going to be a huge challenge to put this team together for the next 15, 17 games. Does anyone else want to weigh in on that?
5: Yeah, I do. I mean, look, everybody, you know, whatever. You're playing at Christy Fitz back home on the pick outdoor rink and everybody's always whining about goalies and complaining. You can't go anywhere without a goalie. Uh, You just showed your Toronto arrows team that you played with in 1925. (laughs) And, uh, and, and in saying that though, how, like, how can you get this far down the line knowing that the one prize possession goalie that was on the market was Marc Andre Fleury? Not only do you not get him, you don't get anyone. Right. That's the ultimate head scratcher for me as far as all the cat mathematics and everything else. Uh, that's one thing, but the fact that you're going into the postseason, season, if you get there without an elite goalie is just a head-scratcher
1: for me. All right, let's talk about the without an elite goalie uh, because there are a couple <laughs> of places in Canada that were wondering if an elite goalie would be added. Kipper, uh, since we're talking about the West, were you surprised that Edmonton couldn't get a goalie?
7: No. I think the, the writing was on the wall for Edmonton, Toronto, Toronto. Um, and Washington as well, right. Washington to me, had the most pressure Ovechkin having a career year at his age and a team that has to win now they didn 't make a move either right uh, they all had the same theory there's nothing out there that 's better than what we already have, and I think that's the case for for Edmonton and, and Toronto Dom
8: yeah, I mean I, hey, we talked about Minnesota being the big winner, and Edmonton and Toronto for me were the big losers that they Clearly, our teams where goaltending has been the Achilles heel, Toronto for me especially, uh, I do like some of the additions that were made. Colin Blackwell in particular, he's not a well-known guy, but I know how good this guy is. He's a guy that can produce in limited minutes, uh, can make things happen. I know this guy is going to score a big goal for the Leafs in the playoffs. He, he's just, He's got a hunger for the game, and he's clutch, and I know that will come true. But the question mark for me with Toronto as and has been and will be the goaltending. And it's a little bit awkward at this point because Kyle Dubas is trying to pump Jack Campbell's tires and show his faith and trust in him to help him boost his confidence in himself. But now it's public that he was, you know, kicking tires and trying to figure out whether Fleury could work. And I think it's just a tough situation going forward there.
5: All right. uh, Yeah, so I was going to say we had Kyle on yesterday on ESPN yesterday. And, uh, and I asked him that very question, and essentially he was saying, uh, just to paraphrase, that that's more of a Chicago thing for Chicago having leaked information on that potential trade than it was to the media, than it was a Toronto thing. And ultimately, if you saw the other comments, uh, the other Kyle, who's the GM of the Chicago Blackhawks, evidently said him and Kyle Dubas would have this conversation in private. They'll continue it in private. But hey, let's be honest. Same thing. Same thing comes down the track. And a lot of, you know, I've always pumped Peter Mrazic. He knows that I've been a big Razzie guy since he played in the World Junior and he's a fellow former Ottawa 67. I would then say as far as Jack Campbell, Jack Campbell got off to an amazing start this year. No question. He was a top five goalie in the league for the first 20, 25 games. But since then, he's gone through hard times. Peter Mrazic has been in and out of the lineup with injury. So all of that to say, you've got Austin Matthews, who's the best Leaf player I've ever seen. You've got in my time, You've got an- another one of Mitch Marner and all these pieces. But if you're looking back there and the goaltending's not playing on the level you need it to, if you're those guys going into the postseason, do you have another another case of the uh-ohs all
1: over again? That's the question.
7: <laughs> oh, I'll tell you how bad yeah, it was the- for, for Kyle. He's... They, they signed the Finnish goaltender, right? Yeah, Harry Soteri. Harry Carey Soteri.
5: <laughs> Holy
7: cow. <laughs> they, they couldn't Here's even the keep him. years ago. He was
5: a World Junior 12 years ago. I remember that. We're like, oh, this Harry Soteri guy's sick. Yeah, he's 32. He was great World
8: Junior 12 years ago
5: in 2000. But uh, anyway, that's a but tough the Leafs day. Have the, if, if,
8: the Leafs have the lowest save percentage of any playoff team in the East, so it's it's cut and dry what what the weakness is going into the playoffs.
1: All right, I'm going to get,
5: get Kipper knows is the best power play and the highest faceoff percentage. Right, right. So to your point, Dom, which makes perfect sense. I mean, even if you're at a nine hundred five to nine hundred ten, you don't need guys to be nine hundred thirty to nine hundred forty here on this team because they're so offensively gifted. But uh, to your point, I mean, these numbers bear out right now. You're
1: absolutely right. All right, I'm going to hold off on Kipper because Kipper knows his team as well as anyone. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation on the Toronto Maple Leafs and expand out as a great hockey roundtable continues. Dominic Moore in Florida, Jersey for a week. Kipper in studio continues after this. The roundtable continues on Tim and Friends. Weeks in Jersey, Moore in Florida. Kipper beside me in the studio. And I know, Kipper, you're chomping at the bit to get at the Toronto Maple Leafs. They add Mark Giordano. Yeah. They add the guy that uh, Dominic Moore likes. A little feisty, a little sandpaper in your bottom six. Did they do enough to compete in what will be a tough division?
7: The answer is no on paper, but we know that the game's not played on paper, so they're also banking on the fact that uh, they think that uh, Muzzin's going to come back and hit his stride as well. The unfortunate part for the Leafs in the blue line is Sandine was starting to really come along here as a guy that could log 18, 19 minutes and provide, I think, pretty good offense, the push up the ice, the ability to skate up and down uh, past Morgan Riley. He's gone. How long he's gone... Remains to be seen, Uh, but some suggest that he could be back before the end of the season. But Giordano is a guy that can come in and solidify I I like him in in a bottom pair. Um, Not necessarily a guy that I want to play 21, 22 minutes every other night here because of his age and the ability to maybe tiresome, be, be a little tired. Um, Calgary, it was an issue, Seattle, it was an issue because he was asked to do more than he can. Mm-hmm. So hopefully he finds that sweet spot, uh, starting tomorrow night against New Jersey. Dominic, do you
1: feel like Kyle Dubas, uh, pulled a little Frank Sinatra here and just said, I'm going to do it my way because everyone wanted him to get a goalie. Everyone wanted him to get a big, tough defenseman that would beat the snot out of people, uh, in front of the net. And none of that happened.
8: Well, they clearly have their plan, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Blackwell's a guy that they had on their list and on their radar before in a free agency setting. Uh, they felt like their needs were on defense. As I said, I don't mind the needs that they did fill in terms of Labushkin. He's been good. He's, yeah. he's a strong net front present. I've seen a lot of the Kraken play. I've covered a lot of their games this year. Geo's still doing a lot of those little things well that you need, uh, those little, like, 10-foot passes in the in the defensive zone where a lot of guys would rim the puck. He gets it into the hands of the forward. I, I think those will go a long way when you have as talented a forward group as they do in Toronto. And again, Blackwell, good addition. It's just, to me, they didn't address their biggest need, which is the goaltending. And as much as you try to say that Jack Campbell's a big-game player, well, based on what? Like, I haven't seen it. So... Uh, until we see it, I think that's going to be the doubt for me and for, for all of Leaf fans that have seen this show before.
1: Weeksie, yeah. let, let me let me let you get a crack at this because I, I feel like there's an interesting spot here where there's, what, like five teams in the Atlantic Division that are in the top nine in the NHL as we speak. Like, it seems loaded. I know you know Carolina well. Do the Leafs worry about finishing third and then getting Tampa potentially in the first round? Like, how do you see this all breaking down?
5: Yeah, I mean, that's that's the difficult thing. It's like you're picking your poison if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. There's no real easy answers um, just based on how stacked that division is. To your point, that Atlantic, it wasn't that long ago that everybody, you know, people were mocking that Atlantic division for a while and, and certainly the Southeast teams, and I played for all those Southeast teams in that division. And more importantly, uh, you look at the additions, the notable ones, these are all going to be really key pieces for their respective teams, I think. No question about it, but the Florida Panthers for me at a league best plus 74 goal differential are absolutely stacked. They're stacked. And now that gap between the lightning and the Florida Panthers, I feel like that's narrowed now. I feel like it's almost par with the exception of the Stanley Cups that Tampa has been able to win. Adding Claude Giroux, who I've spoken with, I talked to him yesterday, spoke to him the day before, uh, adding him, it's only going to further electrify this team that is an absolute behemoth of a club. Wabrowski's been really good in net. The youngster, Spencer Nice, played well. Aaron Eckblad until the injury, was outstanding for them. And now you add Drew to this four group that has Huberdell, that's a hard trophy candidate for me, and Barkov, look out.
7: I think the Leafs, in all probability, will be underdogs no matter where they start. I yeah. have no issues at all if they do a crossover and end up playing Carolina in the first round i think they can beat carolina they've got their number a little bit this year um i I think it would be a a better start for them in the first round than seeing a a tampa bay that's for sure
8: i I was just going to add to kipper's point on the underdogs i actually think that might be the most important factor for the leafs this season to their benefit is that the expectations this year are lower which i think actually helps them i think when they've gone in as a favorite it, it puts them into this choking situation. And so I, I think there's nothing better than for them to go in as an underdog. All right, let's
7: just one more note, yeah. because I just want to circle back. You said, you yeah. know, the Frank Sinatra yeah, did my it line. my way. The one thing I can tell you, the sense I got out of Kyle Dubas, is this guy did not go into a trade deadline thinking his job is on the line. Right. Meaning that uh, he did, he wasn't reckless. He wasn't uh, thinking about someone else's problems. If I if I lose in the first round, he was actually he did the responsible thing here. Yeah, he didn't trade a first round pick for the third time in four years, and that first round pick
1: might have got him something that he could have used. All right, what's the one team, one player, one pickup from yesterday that not enough people are talking about? This is how we're gonna close it. Think of the one team outside of all the ink spilt that could do some damage or may have just given themselves an advantage. If anyone wants to jump in with one, raise your hand because we're about two minutes left. Kipper.
7: I'll go with uh, the Boston Bruins, a bit of a forgotten team. I like Lynn Holm a lot. I think Pat Verbeek made a mistake letting this guy go at $6.5 million. Uh, Even if it would have cost you eight years, this guy is a minute muncher. He's going to change the dynamics of the Boston Bruins. Dom. Uh, and
8: I, I like the addition of Nick Letty in St. Louis. Yeah. Uh, they were, you know, really had a hole there in the depth and, on their decor. And, and Letty's still got some good hockey left. And I, I think he fills a big void there.
1: Kipper said Pittsburgh that on Penguins Kipper and Bourne. I was listening on the way in. Same thing. Nick Letty to St. Yeah. Louis. Weeks, go ahead.
5: Pittsburgh Penguins for me. The addition of Ricard Raquel, I just think that that uh, gives them a nice option that could play with Gino Malkin on that second line. Uh, all things being equal, when you look at them being healthy, now you bring in Raquel. I really think a healthy Sid who's been money again, as always. Gino Malkin's been point per game this year. You now have Jeff Carter in the three spot, and you add Raquel into their top six. Man, oh man, they're, they're stacked right now. I, I, I think that they're a team that's not getting enough ink.
1: It feels like the East, seven different teams, maybe even eight different teams could win this thing. And in the West, it feels like there are a few that have separated themselves from everybody. This is going to be fun to watch. Listen, this was a lot of fun to have all you guys. It's nice to kind of just throw the ball in the air and get the hell out of the way with three pros like you guys. Week, Seymour, Kipper in studio. I really appreciate you guys doing this. Thanks, Thanks boys. For
5: having- well, it's great pleasure
1: you guys. guys. Take care, everybody. All right, take care. And uh, no more chirping my Adam AA stats, all right? After the break, we head down to Costa Rica to check in with Arash Badani and James Sharman. Could this be the week Canada soccer takes it to another level? And we'll also check in with Benny Wagner in Dunedin talking Toronto Blue Jays off to a wonderful start. Spring at a wonderful start. Next, Tim and Friends.
6: Time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McCallum and Friends of the Show.
1: Thank you very much. Sheepdogs back here. Tim and Friends, our number two full hour on Sportsnet 360, which includes Canada basketball president Michael Bartlett with a special announcement unleashed right here on the show. Just a half an hour to go on Sportsnet ahead of Hockey Central. We've got the plays of the week on the way, plus Ben Wagner in Dunedin in a couple minutes but first your news of the day and we begin your news of the day with the pacific leading calgary flames back in action as they host the sharks tonight see it nine eastern seven local Sportsnet one across the country jacob markstrom will start in net while ryan carpenter will not make his debut tonight after being acquired from the hawks yesterday meanwhile the oilers playing back to back they are in dallas to face the stars now Oilers lose in overtime last night in Colorado facing a Stars team that entered the night fighting for their playoff lives one point out of the postseason. But with games in hand on everybody, Miko Koskinen expected to start for the Oilers after Mike Smith went last night. See it regionally. Sportsnet last 6.30 local, 8.30 Eastern. The Jets host the Golden Knights in Winnipeg, Vegas. Currently the second wild card spot. Jets four points back now Winnipeg does have two games in hand on Vegas but as mentioned stars have a couple more and they are in between Connor Hellebuck big game for the Jets Laurent Boisois the former Jet expected to go for Vegas he got pounded by the Jets last week 7-3 though he was yanked before all seven A couple days away from Canada's first chance to qualify for the World Cup in Qatar. Can't believe I'm saying this at the start of the final window. Canada faces Costa Rica on Thursday on Sportsnet. A win and they are in with games against Jamaica and Panama to follow. And Canadian soccer fans are now focusing on getting into that pot three for the World Cup draw, knowing that it could be attainable and a better draw once you get there is possible if they finish atop the CONCACAF standings. With more on the historic week that is ahead, let's send it to our guys in Costa Rica, fresh off the plane, Arash Medani and James Sharman. Gentlemen.
6: Well, Timmy, here we are and uh, here we go. (laughs) James, <laughs> James, yeah, James, it feels like we've been talking about this forever. The idea, the hope. At times it felt like a fantasy that Canada might be able to qualify for a FIFA Men's World Cup for the first time since 1986. And now 48 or so hours away from the national team arriving here at Costa Rica's National Stadium for the opportunity
3: to do exactly that. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, um, this could be our generations and the previous generation, September the 14th, 1985, the last time that Canada qualified for a World Cup. Um, you know, I, I was looking at my, my notes from back in the Suriname days and the Cayman Islands days, right. all those months ago when qualifying began, and my expectations, and they were high, but what we've seen in the last couple of years, really, um, have gone so far beyond our expectations. The performances, how the team's grown as a unit... Uh, and here we are, that close. And it's not a question of if, quite frankly, it's, it's when. They're going to do this and hopefully against Costa Rica and get it over and done with early in the window. And if that happens, then it's just a celebration on Sunday at BMO against
6: Jamaica. Although the team wants to remain undefeated in CONCACAF qualifying, and you talk about this road and you talk about the journey, Alfonso Davies isn't here. He's back with Bayern Munich still coming back to full fitness after dealing with some heart heart issues and you think back to generations past if a player like alfonso davies maybe the best left back in the world wasn't here for team canada it would be catastrophic and while they will miss him they're not going to
3: miss a beat yeah it's a great point um, it, even a year ago if we were told that not just for one window a rash but two windows yeah. this this nation would be missing its best player of all time panic would set in yeah. amongst the fan base right but what this this Team has shown throughout qualifying is that it's more than just Alfonso Davis. And John Herbman said that week one with these guys. You know, yeah, we, we love Funzi we're going to rely on him at times, but we are more than just one player. And, and they've proven that. We've seen some players emerge as stars for this team. Tejon Buchanan, mm-hmm. who, who was quite frankly a nobody to start qualifying, and now is an emerging star in Europe. There's others, Alistair Johnson in Montreal, a wonderful player who, who was didn't know much about before qualifying began. So the whole team has grown as a whole. But sure, oh, sure, they miss Alfonso. But there's bigger things to come in a few months' time. Yeah, What Liam Frazier tell us the other day, he said, we haven't
6: accomplished anything yet. Timmy, that can all change on Thursday. History can be made here in Costa Rica. Thank you very much,
1: boys, and, and it may be. Uh, I know a lot of folks making the uh, the travel to Costa Rica for that game. We'll have plenty from Arash and James this week. Uh, a Charmin sit-down with CSA President Nick Bontis also on the way later this hour. So plenty of football content to baseball now. And the Jays signed Matt Chapman to a two-year deal today. 25 million bucks. It avoids arbitration with Chapman and guarantees him 12.5 million smackaroos for each of the next two seasons. I can't believe I just said smackaroos. He will still become a free agent after 2023. Meantime, Jays in action this afternoon against the Yankees in Dunedin. George Springer, Kevin Bizio, and Yusei Kikuchi all making their spring debuts today. How did it go? Well, for Chapman, it started well. A little massage. Grabbing some uh, perhaps
0: pinata power.
1: Well, Springer had some power. In fact, the Jays just had power. They were just rifling balls off the bat, high exit velos on singles, all in the bottom of the first three straight. Then Guriel goes the other way. It's an RBI double off the wall off Jordan Montgomery. Jays score three in the opening frame. So you say, nice little pad to start. How would it do for him? Well, he didn't really need it. Lefty came out hot, struck out the side in the second, went two innings, no hit ball, striking out four, and walking just one. Not bad. Bottom of the third cabin, Biggio. Big year for him. Lines one, two right, and would later score. Biggio two for two on the day. Top four, now 4-1. Four, Some more defense. Danny Jansen throwing out a would-be base stealer. Chapman, though. While laying the tag down, catches a cleat in the arm, he would be forced to leave. Now, cut did not require stitches, so he should be okay. Bottom of the fourth base is loaded for Randall Gritchick. Love, peace, and air grease. That is a grand salami. And the Jays break their way to a 9-2 victory over the Yankees to improve to four and one on the spring, a spring that feels Pretty exciting to a lot of Jays fans, a lot of people watching on TV and wanting us to go down to the yard. We do that with our friend Ben Wagner, who joins me now from Dunedin. Benny, welcome back to the show. Good to be talking baseball with you.
9: It's great to have baseball back on the diamond, especially with the enthusiasm that we see every day in the clubhouse with these Blue Jays. And it seems like over the last 10 days or so, as this roster Looks complete, right, for opening day. There's not a lot of balance needed. There's not a lot of decisions to make on who's going to be there. I think that's only fueling the excitement internally, and we know how much it's fueling the excitement with the fan base.
1: All right, so rank this. Like, you've been around for a while now. We've seen the energy from afar, but when sitting in Toronto, it's hard for us to gauge. Like, is this different than it was last year or the year before? I mean, obviously, just because of the pandemic, there are some curveballs in there, but it feels like there's some real excitement in the clubhouse
9: there really is and yeah. it's the level of expectation these guys together if you look at the core right the Vladimir Guerrero jr. the Boba the cabin Vigios, these guys won in the minor leagues and they thought that they weren't being recognized as a club that could take that next step and get to that next level of competition, especially in the American League Eastern Division, right, where we know things are going to be tough year in and year out with the big spenders and how they would compete. Would the front office go out and try to balance this roster? Once they saw kind of the returns, and I go back even to Hyun Jin Ryu and that signing, getting us towards the 2020 season, that got shut down. All right, well, then you make a couple of moves. You get the Robbie Rays of the world. He comes back has an unbelievable year. Marcus Simeon elevated and also brought a level of professionalism and routine and, and also just offered a lot of counsel to a young clubhouse. That just continues this trend for this Blue Jays clubhouse to raise their own confidence and expectations. I mean, that's a very confident group, but the level of expectations, and you heard it from Vladimir Guerrero Jr., where he said, you got the trailer, now get ready for the big movie because that's going to debut on April the 8th at Rogers Center when this thing really gets going. That's the kind of change that i've seen over the last couple of years where it's gone from a chip in the shoulder to a lot of belief that this clubhouse is going to put together something special and with every move that the front office makes on their behalf too like signing jose barrios to the extension going out and get matt chapman these are only things that solidify the blue jays as a legit contender for the division in the alcs and its world series or bust for these guys Uh,
1: We got that popcorn ready for the movie that Vladdy is about to show. It might be that David Price-like popcorn uh, from the Rogers Center all ready to go. So a couple of debuts today. We saw Yusei Kikuchi. That's pretty impressive in his first go-around, though you can't take a ton from spring. What did you see out in the field from Springer, Kikuchi, and others?
9: Well, we'll start with Yusei Kikuchi, right? You never know how a guy's going to look in his organization debut. How's his fastball command going to be? He had his own throwing program that he designed by talking to other agents and also his uh, his buddies. You know, how, to do, how did he go through the shutdown, how to keep his body ready regardless of when the free agent deal got done. And he was ready to go. Struggled with his command early on, but the fastball command and then the slider really took off in the second inning. And you can see the results, right? You strike out the side, but it was the command of the strike zone. That was really encouraging. I loved what I saw from George Springer. And there are questions, you know, how the body's going to hold up. Yeah. He had the quad issue. Would there be lingering effects with that? Not that I saw. He legged out an infield single in his second at bat. On the Vladdy RBI base hit, he scores from second base, and he cut the bag hard at third, never broke stride until it was time to power down. Those are the little things that you're watching, and how are guys able to respond on the field of player? or are they just kind of going through the motions in their first couple of games in spring training? While the Blue Jays started on Friday, There were a couple of guys that only made their debut today. So this is the first real test. So a lot of early returns are positive signs from what we saw today. All
1: right, uh, let's just kind of focus in on that starting rotation. What jumps out at you from what looks like one of the best in the majors?
9: It really is the best in the majors. That's my opinion of it. you got Jose Barrios that's going to take the ball tomorrow, and it's easy math, right? You count out the days. You can see Jose Barrios lines up perfectly for that Friday at Rogers Center. Kevin Gaussman is another guy that they sought after a couple of years ago. They bulked up with Kevin Gosman, and they loved his repertoire. Then all of a sudden you got got Hyunjin Ryu, who's a nice little piece to round out that Texas Rangers series, and they're lining up that way right now in spring training. And that's the easy map, right? That's what you want. You don't want a lot of decisions when it comes to the start. Rotation, and that's what these guys give you. They arrived at camp. When I talked to Pete Walker, he was blown away at how good of shape and how ready guys were in the rotation, specifically to take the ball in whatever they laid out, whatever the role was, they were ready for it. And, And that Provides tremendous stability here in camp. There aren't injuries. There aren't you know guys being held back. There aren't a lot of pitch counts being massaged. You know to see how a guy feels the day after. We're seeing the starting rotation be as, as as stewards really and they know that how much pressure because the Blue Jays had to in, improve over the last couple of years. their starting rotation if they really wanted to make a legit run at this thing. And that's exactly what they have now. And, and you say Kikuchi rounding it out. You got Alec Manoa who looked really sharp with his breaking balls yesterday uh, outside. You know the leadoff triple. He looked fantastic against the Tigers. So everything with this rotation is trending in the right direction for the Blue Jays because the start of the season will rely on your starting five now with the rosters getting expanded this puts a new wrinkle yeah is it going to be ross stripling to serve as a bulk guy i really think nate pearson will have every opportunity to be that sixth starter as the blue jays look at the schedule they've got a really tough april they don't want a starting pitcher to say face the same team twice so they can map it out and they can massage that just a little bit by using a sixth starter and that's why i think nate pearson will be Absolutely electric with an opportunity to start.
1: All right, we have uh, some breaking news from Jesse Rubinoff. While we're talking to Ben Wagner, and perhaps you knew this because of the whispers around the facility, and maybe you're allowed to say it now, but what is that breaking news, yeah, Jesse?
2: Seconds ago, Jeff Passon tweeting out that outfielder Teoscar Hernandez and the Blue Jays are in agreement on a one-year $10.65 million contract. To avoid arbitration a lot of contracts coming through today to avoid arbitration and teoscar is the latest one so you got chapman and teoscar uh benny
9: yeah absolutely i mean these are two guys the blue jays got the unbelievable need that they had to have and that's sipping up third base the blue jays induced more ground balls to third base than any team in major league baseball last year and it became a glaring hole one Just because the guys that were there, nothing against Kevin Biggio or Santiago Espinal, uh, you know, you just need an extra level. You need a better arm at third base. You need a little bit more range. That helps out Bo Bichette on the left side of the diamond, but it also really helps out Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And knowing that this is going to be the diamond moving forward for the Toronto Blue Jays, this makes things incredible defensively for the Blue Jays and the run prevention and things that needed to be addressed. Yeah. Teoscar Hernandez is the unsung hero of the Toronto Blue Jays, really the last couple of years. He's not getting enough credit on the national scene you know, in North America for those that cover Major League Baseball. With his turnaround individually, let alone his production, just if you look at the smaller sample sizes going back midway to 2019, what he did in 2020, 2021, obviously, and then destined for just another big year. This is a great great reward. It's it's well-deserved for Teoscar Hernandez, and I talk to coaches each and every day, and they just rave about Teoscar Hernandez and what he has potential to continue to do, and that's one of the direct questions I said. I said, have we reached the max potential here? Are we with Teoscar right. Hernandez knowing right. what he can do at the Major League level? And they say no, we're not, and I think the Blue Jays are all in on Teoscar Hernandez.
1: I uh, wish we had more time, but we don't. Benny, love talking baseball
9: with you. Thanks for doing this. It's great to chat again, Tim. Thanks so much, it man. It
1: is. It is. There is Ben Wagner down at uh, the TD Ballpark in Dunedin, Florida. Uh, one of the things that I miss about having Sid is that he talked for five minutes and I could surf the web. <laughs> I just saw a little bit that maybe some Brett Gardner rumors surrounding the Toronto Blue Jays. We'll dive into those a little bit. Oh, well, how about, how about this? Among yeah. the teams interested in Brett Gardner, so you have seen this, the Toronto Blue Jays, <laughs> word around the game, Gardner still waiting to see if the Yankees will... So noted Blue Jay killer, Brett Gardner, perhaps with the Blue Jays. We'll take a break. And when we come back, a little bit more Jays, a little bit more basketball, and some soccer. James Sharman sits down with CSA president. Nick Bontis ahead of a massive week for soccer in this country, plus the trade deadline on Monday. Means we move the plays of the week to Tuesday. We'll do them next right here on Tim and Friends. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Still to come, Michael Bartlett, president of the of Canada basketball speaking of presidents Jesse checked in with James Sharman he's not the president Anna Rashmi he's not the president in Costa Rica last segment but before James got on the plane to go down south he caught up with Canada soccer president Nick Bontis to discuss just what this week means for the sport in this country and the future of the game of football in Canada
8: World Cup 86 goes next June in Mexico, and with a win or even a tie this afternoon against Honduras, Canada will at long last qualify to play.
3: Nick, September 14th, 1985, was a a rather big day for Canadian football. And
0: And there it goes, the final whistle. Canada has qualified for World Cup 86.
3: Oh, what a magic moment. But it didn't continue from there. Something went, went wrong. Why is this different on The Verge now of qualifying for another World Cup?
10: What has changed is the professionalization of the game in Canada, right? So if you really think about where we were 37 years ago, it was an entirely different landscape, Today, we are benefiting from the fruits of our labor and our investments.
0: Oh, Canada! Oh, baby!
8: Another famous victory! And another big step forward in the quest for Qatar!
10: What it taught me is things take time. In the grand scheme of things, we're a baby. I don't want to make excuses. Things were not as positive then and we should have maintained the momentum, but maybe, you know what, that's what it took for a couple of generations to get through to then enjoy where we are today. It's
3: astonishing what this group is doing individually, collectively, and running out of ways to really describe how special this is. Canada should be qualifying for World Cups for the foreseeable future. Is this the tipping point, do you think, for Canadian soccer?
10: I do think it's the tipping point. I mean, if you're talking about aspirations, I mean, personally, my aspiration is that we should be competing at every FIFA event moving forward, not only on the men's side, but on the women's side as well. Obviously, back-to-back-to-back with a gold now ups the ante on where we should be on the women's side but you know where we still have an opportunity james is youth soccer we've had some good performances recently but to be able to consistently say hey we're going to be among the best in Concacaf to qualify for the fifa event on the youth side we're not there yet so i think that's another opportunity for us moving forward
8: canada's greatest he's already the king of the north
3: Davies! Alfonso Davis being the poster boy now, Canadian soccer. Marketing these players is obviously so important. How do you do that moving forward when you have the Carl Larens, the John Davies, the Fonzies? I mean, there's not just one or two. There's several yeah. players you can market now.
10: Being able to amplify each other is what we need to do. Uh, but that's the other difference in 2022 compared to previous generations as well. They have their own social media platforms. Of course, we all know what Alfonso did on Twitch.
0: Oh, Johnny!
10: to say that it's improving. Uh, I'm also pleased to say that you know what it's always better when we're winning and the players are doing amazing things.
6: Brought to you by Sports Interaction, providing competitive odds on all sports. Sports Interaction is Canada's sports book.
1: You know, they can't even keep Canada soccer jerseys on the shelves. Literally. Yeah, that, yeah, Sold that, out.
2: That would make sense. All of the time. Yeah. All right. I need one, or a couple. Should we wear it? Going over there. Thursday? Time now for the plays of the week. That's
1: right, kids. Everyone, it is time to pay attention and put away your phone. I said put away your phone. I'm not sure if I'm going to see the new Batman movie. He's kind of let himself go. You think, Jesse? <laughs> That's yeah. good. You think this guy That's and good. Hito Turkoglu would get along?
2: Oh my God. Ball.
1: Ball! <laughs> presented without comment, I just hope they're not on a first date.
2: Oh, no. That's so bad. That They've got to so be brother bad. and sister, right? Brother and sister? No. Is not that not. ever acceptable? friends ever acceptable We're not friends anymore okay no more
1: farting around let's get on the ice Victor Hedman former teammate Barkley Goudreau laid out with a clean hit Preds and Ducks Matt Duchesne quietly having a good year right eh? one of his best yeah 34 on the year last night you mentioned this Jesse Brad Marshall that is so nasty the leg kick fake watch it just enjoy it backhand game winner. Let's give some loves to the goalie. How about this? Jake Ottinger. I did that a time or two. Did you? Maybe five. How about this? Did you do this? Buffalo Edmonton. Oilers already up 4-0. But watch Craig Anderson.
2: Little Scorpion. Who cares about the score, Tim?
1: Appreciate the net minding. Okay. Canucks Red (laughs) Wings. How about Thatcher Demko? How's this read? Yeah. I love this goalie portion of the plays. Jesse, a former goaltender in the GTHL. Demko's pretty good. Battle of New York, Ilya Sorokin. Is this the
2: save of the week? Oh, my goodness. This paddle. is unbelievable. Paddle. Paddle's luck. I got to say paddle. Paddle's luck.
1: We end hockey with the play from the OHL. Check this out. We call this the Skinner. This is just pure figure skating to start it off. Antonio Strange's London Knights with one of the goals of the year. at Dallas Stars pick and showing why. It's to bad the game. diamond. That's right. Baseball preseason, Justin Williams glove, exciting and new. Come aboard, we're expecting you. We couldn't do baseball highlights without Vladi doing this.
6: <laughs> and to try to Uh-oh. make sure you're throwing strikes, me. That's going to be hit a mile. Wow. You know it's breezy here today, but it's not that breezy. I mean, this would have been out no matter what day it was, but. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Favorite part was the uh-oh. Yeah, right off the bat. Uh-oh. To the hard court, and the Lakers have been must-watch TV. Russ, airball, Towns, and then how about this? LeBron catching his old buddy, Kevin. What about old buddies getting it? LeBron's First headman with
2: the head. LeBron's head still gets to the rim. He's 37.
1: Yeah, Kevin Love doesn't really appreciate it. No. Uh, Raps and Clippers, Scotty Barnes. Sorry. Future Hall of Famer. Yeah, it looks like MJ there. I got to be honest. That. Easy, take it easy. March Same. Madness Women's Tournament, Montana State Stanford. Cardinals Fran Belibi with the block. Throw it down! Ooh. Woo! For the Belibiers. He's far away, too. Fran. Ooh. Love that. Me, too. We showed you this yesterday, but it's worth seeing again. Canadian Benedict Matherin or Benedict Richard Maturin. Elevating. Cock it. You know, that's say, what it was. he cocked that joint and banged yeah, on him that's, in France. That's what that was. Never mind. That was a James Never Johnson. Never mind. Jacksonville Ooh. State, Auburn. Sorry. Jabari Smith might be the dunk of the tournament, it is the reaction of the tournament. And how about this, Andre Hyatt, not in my house. Oh, I love basketball. Get it out! <laughs> but this might be my favorite moment from the entire tournament. This is Drew Timmy of Gonzaga. Post-game interview, he really doesn't want to swear. He's trying hard.
5: I said, I don't give a flying F what happens. What happens at the end of the game, whether we lose or win, we're not going out as no uh, soft guys. Leave it <laughs> all on the floor because it could be the last 20. And, hey, man, if you go all out and we still lose, with, play with no regrets.
2: Oh, so good. We kind of have to deal with that too, right? Like there's times where you get But we're not at like the adrenaline's not going through. You're not
1: like swearing, we've got to get going here. (laughs) But it's not the same. We do it a little bit. I get appreciated. But if I got jacked like that, it would be very hard for me to stop. Good for him. All right. Time to send it to Hockey Central on Sportsnet. As for us, we'll be back on Sportsnet 360 with Canada Basketball's Michael Bartlett. A special announcement on the future of Canada basketball next, 60 Seconds on 360.
0: Look at a legend in the mirror. They said we never make it here. Must be the top, ain't no one near. near. So let me make one thing clear. This is our year. See the rise, Canada. This is our year. If you know, then you know. If you don't, let me highlight you for me. We got that chip, but we didn't come this far to only come this far. This far? Nah. Yo, you heard that line before? Heard it. Yeah, you
4: done right,
0: All right. Here we go. What if I say we bout to connect the world with basketball's future? What if I say we bout to shine the light on its rising star? What if I say we bout to launch the illest hoops fest ever? Cause you know, this is our year. This is life.
7: Ball is life.
0: And like the homie KG said. It's impossible. It's impossible. So let me make one thing clear. I This is our year. The finest young talent in the mix, in the six. All in one spot, in the dot. This is Global Jam 2022. Make one thing clear. This This is our year. year. See the rise, here. Our
1: year and, frankly, our game. Here to make a special announcement on exactly what all that means is Canada basketball. President and CEO Michael Bartlett. Welcome to Tim and Friends.
11: Thank you, Tim. Happy to be here.
1: Uh, Okay, so there seems to be some real excitement around what we just saw, and we've been promising a special announcement surrounding Canada basketball Tell us what's going on in the next little
11: while. Well, this is a hockey country, but it's quickly becoming a basketball nation, and this country needs more basketball, and we're going to deliver it. So Canada basketball is in the basketball event business, and with Sportsnet, our proud partner, we're bringing Global Jam to Toronto July 2022, an under-23 men's and women's international age group showcase. It's going to be an unbelievable tournament with all of Canada's rising stars competing on home soil. Uh, So that's pretty big news. This is, I mean,
1: the evolution could get to the world juniors of basketball, but this is something that we on this show have talked about for a while trying to get to. I know it's a four-team tournament, both men's and women's, but that's the goal, is it not?
11: Yeah, certainly. Like, we look at these great international showcase events. World Junior Hockey is, is a perfect example of it. Why not us? Why can't basketball do that? So this is an owned property of Canada Basketball and Sportsnet. We're welcoming federations that have global under-23 talent around the world to this country to compete in this tournament. It starts with four. It's got to start somewhere, but we see this growing and moving across the country as well for the decades to come. So this is something that
1: you see hosted. I know it's under FIBA's umbrella, but you see this hosted in Canada?
11: Yeah, this is actually only ever going to to be hosted in Canada. Nice. FIBA is sanctioning it, but it's our event, we're going to bring it across the country.
1: So, um, this is basically a gathering of the brightest talent, I mean, you've got the United States on both the men's and women's side yes. invited to the first ever tournament that you're announcing right here yeah. this year. Uh, this is the brightest young
11: talent in the world. Yeah, brightest young talent in the world, and We've we've matched up and picked the federations on purpose. We've got Brazil, Italy. Belgium, France, complementing the US and Canada as well, all amazing globally ranked talent. Uh, And we've got 200 NCAA athletes playing in Division I colleges and universities right now. That's a ton of under 23 talent coming through our pipeline that need more places to play. They age out. FIBA has these great competitions at 19 and then jumps right to senior team. Right. We have players now, men and women, who need to you know, come out of university and they're four or five years before they make the senior team. This is going to be more opportunity for them to shine, to play on home soil, and also to learn. Like. The 2022 Global Jam roster very well could be the 2028 LA Olympic roster for both of our teams.
1: Right. So the press release just went out for those who want to know more about this. And that's why I constantly talk about the CEBL as well, because it provides a place for players to grow from what is, um, you know, even American NCAA players who don't make the NBA find themselves in the exact same spot as you sports players. And that is looking overseas for opportunity. And what we're doing with the CBL here in Canada is giving them that opportunity. And this seems like another extension of that for young
11: players. Yeah, so many of these athletes, quite frankly, they're even doing their high school and academy years down in the U.S. So when's the last time they played in front of their parents, in front of their family, in their country? We're going to create that opportunity for them. And this is also an equitable opportunity and something we're very proud of. The men's and women's tournament is going to deliver an equitable, first-class, five-star experience. No matter what country you're coming from to play in this tournament, your men and women athletes are going to have that five-star experience in Canada.
1: That's awesome. So, uh, it's not just the U23 tournament though, this is an entire festival that you've got going on in downtown Toronto in July?
11: Yeah, we're going to uh, kick off with, obviously, the Fives playing at a Athletic Centre July 5th as the round robin finishes on July 10th. At Young and Dundas Square, we're going to have the national 3X3 championships, teams coming from across the country to compete at Young and Dundas Square. A whole festival wrapped around that, too. We plan on having a community day. We're having a Hall of Fame Legends brunch on, on gold medal Sunday, too. So this is going to be... Our version of All Star Week for Canada basketball, or maybe even Summer League, where if you're a hoop fan in this country, you want to come to Toronto this week and be a part of the magic that we're going to create. I
1: used to go down to CNE and get my ass kicked at the three on three there. I think that might be similar if I walked down to Young and We're, we're th- playing a
11: celeb game. I've got your name on the roster <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: I don't know if I'm going to show up for that one. So, like, I was just, you know, watching that one on one with the president of. Yeah. Canada Soccer, Nick Bontis. And I was thinking about all of the excitement garnered around Canada Soccer over the last little while and wondering if that's a lens that you can see for Canada basketball too.
11: Yeah, it's one we're holding ourselves accountable to. We have the talent to win. We need more opportunity for them to play. And and Nick was on the the program a number of months ago when he re-upped his contract and talked about consistency. Part of consistency is giving these athletes a chance to grow up and play together and we don't have enough of those opportunities. Soccer's done an amazing job of creating that. Uh, Hockey's done an amazing job in Hockey Canada of creating that. We're creating that not just to create these marquee moments but also to galvanize team to create playing habits that they understand from each other. So when I say about fast-forwarding from 22 to 2028 in L.A., some of these athletes will have learned how to win and lose in international competition together so that the next time they're there, they know how to win.
1: Not only that, but qualifying for the World Cup, right? Like, it's not always that you can get the top NBA players to qualify for the World Cup, as we've seen over the last little while. And these guys being able to play together should be a step up as you get older and older.
11: Yeah, and and we talk a lot too, Tim, about program loyalty. So that has to start at the underage level. They have to not just show up because they have national pride. Our athletes also have to show up because they know the program has invested in them and they have program pride. We start that in the age groups. This under 23 is a new age group that we continue that and can hand that off to the senior team so that when the time does come, whether it's the winter core, whether it's a qualifier in the middle of February, or whether it's the Olympic games in June, you're putting your hand up to show up. Right.
1: So let's get back to Global Jam for a second. July 5th to 10th at Matami Athletic Center. Now, I did a, uh, a CIS at the time, U Sports Final Eight in that building. For those who don't know across Canada, it is the former Maple Leaf Gardens This is a wonderful place for basketball. It is so intimate. One bowl and everyone's really close.
11: Yeah, we're going to have 2,500, 3,000 screaming Canadian enthusiastic fans on top of our team. The great thing about this, too, is that at Team Canada, team men's or women's will play every day of the tournament. So you've got an opportunity to come out, cheer for your country, and then also watch some amazing basketball against other global powerhouses, too.
1: I brought my daughter down during the Pan Am Games to watch the women's team play. And this, if you haven't been down there, it's just so intimate. It's almost perfect for basketball. I know it's not the 18,000 that you would see at a Raptors game against the Lakers per se, but this is a great venue for this. What made you decide on Mattamy and Toronto?
11: Well, Toronto, it's, it's the epicenter of basketball for right now uh, in this country. You know, I, I was a part of what the Raptors, you know, that championship experience, as were you, as a fan and this game just brings people together in such a unique way the equity diversity and inclusion within basketball is credible authentic and something that we're proud of too madame is the epicenter it's right in the heart of toronto it's around these communities that celebrate basketball and it's also an opportunity for us to offer these players a sold out opportunity in front of fans that are are passionate about what they are bringing to their country that building will be rocking. We'll grow from there. I anticipate yep. one day we will be at Scotiabank Arena. Right. But we're going to grow from there, but we're got to start here. All right. The one thing that I've loved about working on university sports in this country
1: is I've gone across the country uh, from Halifax that has hosted our Final Eight so many times, has a great basketball base out west. Um, I've done a Final Eight at UBC, and there are these pockets of great basketball fans How do you see this developing out? Is it a yearly thing? Uh, So it'll be yearly. Yeah, we're oh, that's doing, awesome. we're doing so new, every year, and you can move around.
11: Yeah, every year. Now I think you'll see consistency in the teams. You know, us in Canada, or sorry, Canada and the United States. We'd like to have as the core uh, right. marquee attractions. We plan on adding new federations. I'd love to grow this from four team to sixteen to eight team over time, and then eventually we've got the opportunity to move this across Canada, Montreal, Halifax, you know, the prairies, and, and also you know out in Vancouver, amazing basketball communities, an opportunity for them to enjoy this event live in their backyard. To.
1: So how do you see the I I know we're not going to talk about specifics here but how do you see the rosters filling out if you see like 4 year NCAA guys U sports guys how do you I know obviously it's different to for a Brazilian team, or for a France team that could bring pros over in order to get them kind of activated?
11: Yeah, I I think on the women's side, like, listen, when we look at the roster prospects on the women's side, um, there's a good chance the four NCAA athletes that were part of our Olympic program are going to be on this team. So they were young athletes going to Tokyo, and they're going to be the stars and captains of this team. That's another leadership opportunity and a growth opportunity for them. On the men's side, I think you're going to see some, like, we've got amazing freshmen and, and sophomore athletes for the NCAA right now that are just blowing up the tournament yeah. uh, they're considered in this in this roster mix too we've got an amazing opportunity for future stars that are coming through the ncaa that have not necessarily been drafted yet right. but are probably on that draft list in the future to win in this home country for their country okay so i love the fact i've
1: always been a, a huge supporter of us doing it ourselves whether it's domestic leagues or our own national federations getting the job done ourselves. What excites you most about what you've prepared here with Global Jam?
11: It's a big bet. It's a big bet for Canada basketball. We said we were going to be ambitious. We said we were not going to rely on everybody else um, to support us. We're going to support ourselves, and part of that is building things. Part of that is building events, becoming an event company. We've got this amazing partnership with your network and Sportsnet, that allow us to do things differently now, that will attract brands that want to be a part of this. That will attract fans that want more basketball. They want to see it live. They want to watch it on television. Sportsnet's going to broadcast it all. And for our athletes, we've promised them more opportunity, and this is that. Nice. And, uh, of course, there'll be
1: a high-quality production if it's, sure uh, if it's done with uh, <laughs> <whisper is> that. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for doing this. Pleasure. I really appreciate you dropping by. And if ever we can help, Uh, The door is always open. Appreciate you. Michael Bartlett, president and CEO of Canada Basketball. Time for one last break, last call. Jesse Rubinoff next, right here on Tim and Friends. Welcome back. Some great news for basketball fans in Canada. Looking forward to that under-23 tournament. Almost as much as I'm looking forward to Jesse Rubinoff
2: and Last Call. Because I've heard you've got a bunch of ish going on in baseball. Stuff's happening in baseball. The arbitration contracts are coming left, right, and center. So Mark Feinstein is reporting that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and the Blue Jays have agreed to a $7.9 million contract. To avoid arbitration. So
1: Chapman avoids arbitration, Teoscar Hernandez Correct. avoids arbitration. Now, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who is under club control for a little while, avoids arbitration. And Trevor Richards, Sorry,
2: as well, <laughs> according to Kylie, Kylie McDaniel, uh, $1 million for Trevor Richards. The Vladdy number is hilarious. I mean, I know it's arbitration, and I know he's under control for a long time, but it's just. It this, seems like it's. Well, this is what to be the getting fight. getting bloody for seven point nine million dollars is unbelievable. This is literally what the fight
1: over. I know. Yeah. The, it's crazy. The lockout was basically about. I know. Was service time and. Like you should be numbers.
2: making a billion dollars a year, but whatever. It's all good if you're the Jays, right? You take well, a At you this can.
1: level of arbitration, like that's a significant number—seven yes. and a half million yes. dollars yeah. for sure. By the end
2: going. of his arbitration, what do you think that number
1: is going to be? I mean, it's impossible. I mean, a lot. To be honest with you, I hope that the Blue Jays sign him yeah. before he gets to the end of his hard years.
2: That would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. For the Blue Jays, uh, okay. Joel Sherman well, is I, also reporting. It would also be nice it for him. It would Vladdy. be nice for him. <laughs> yeah. Like whatever that number is
1: going to be, <laughs> see Fernando Tatis's 13-year deal. Vladdy is in line. We saw his
2: car that he's rolling into uh, spring training with at a $7.9 million contract. Like 7.5. Don't give him $400 extra. What's he going to roll into camp with? with, Next uh, year? Yeah. When the herb is $20 million. Okay. Uh, The MLB and the Players Association reached an agreement on several topics today. The deal includes a return to using the Ghost Runner on second base in extra innings, but only for 2022. It's important to point out that it's not a real... Uh, Ghost Runner, there is an actual person. It's the same as they had for the Ghost uh, Runner and, on second! Season. Do you like that the Ghost Runner is sticking around? You ever play Burby growing up? Burby? Yeah, wall ball for the uninitiated. Ghost
1: Runner. Some Runners. version, some version. I like Ghost Runner. I have no problem with it. it's gonna be a condensed schedule this year because of um, the. <laughs> lockout that we had and getting the 162 in so this is just a way to get it in quicker and there's going to be more back-to-backs than normal so uh, i'm okay not like baseball's not used to -to back-to-backs but it is going to be a condensed schedule why not get extra inning games over with quicker to be honest with you i don't hate the rule period Mm -hmm. i don't
2: mind forcing the action just to point out again uh, you know who else loves this rule the highlight zone that we got here. Yeah, without a doubt. All those folks clipping games. That clipping that clutch down. for the West Coast games. Doing
1: the highlights on a Seattle yeah. Oakland game at three o'clock in the morning in the 16th Not inning fun. is a rite of passage in this business. And uh, when you have the ghost runner, it usually doesn't get to yeah. the 17th inning.
2: It's a great job, but you take a victory when you can, and that's certainly a victory for those staying up late on the West Coast. Okay. Uh, the Leafs will be sporting some threads when they hit the ice for their next-gen game on Wednesday. Timmy, reversible jersey is the product of a collaboration between the team, Drew House, and my man, Beebs, Justin Bieber. What do you think? I think there'll be a lot
1: of old-school dudes that are really upset at this, and this jersey's not for you, and it will probably resell once it sells out for about $1,000 a jersey. So I know the old school folks are going to be so pissed off that there's a yellow jersey and that Biebs is designing jerseys. Save it. They're going to be resold for $1,000 each. Not as nice as the Vancouver jerseys that they use for Pride. Did you see Mm -hmm, those? Those were unbelievably nice, which apparently are reselling for $750 right now. This is not for you. If you are one of those people who are like,
2: oh my god, I can't believe they did, relax, it's not for you. Are you getting one uh, or two for your kids? No. (laughs) Uh, Steve Dangle posted this on Twitter, guys, if you want to take the the computer. Uh, 30 and up Leafs Twitter today. (laughs) Uh, Are these Leaf jerseys good? No, it's the children who are wrong, (laughs) which is uh, just outstanding. Uh, Hit the nail on the head Does Dangle admit his age these days or what? I don't know. Does anyone is he admit he over 30 has got to be, right?
1: He's over 30. He's been doing, well, maybe. No idea. Close Nobody admits 30? their
2: age anymore. It's a full pot to ask someone's age, isn't it?
1: Says the guy who
2: wants to. You are, you you said what my age was on, <laughs> on the TV all the time. <laughs> yeah, you, was, got, you got mad at me. Yeah? Very upset. <laughs> uh, the quarterback carousel <laughs> continues in the NFL. In case you missed it yesterday, Matt Ryan is... And now on the Colts, and Jameis Winston is returning to the I'm 46. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm not scared. I ain't never been scared, Jesse. Fine, fine. According to reports, the Panthers are not interested in Baker Mayfield, who requested a trade from the Browns. Is anyone uh, going to take a chance on Baker Mayfield? I told
1: you, when he asked for the trade, be careful what you wish for. Like, I don't know what he was doing. So weird. I I honestly think that he was searching for some sort of attention to, to test some sort of market in his own mind and he did himself a disservice writing that entire thank you to Cleveland because he was upset that they were flirting with Deshaun Watson. Then it turned around and went another way and then he's asked for this trade and he could end up, I mean, listen, decent quarterbacks get jobs in the NFL. He's going to get a job in the NFL but I guarantee you, there's a bunch of GMs that thought exactly what I thought at the time. Who the hell do you think you are mm-hmm. writing that letter when you were one of the reasons why the Cleveland Browns didn't go as far as
2: people thought they should have? Do you think it's funny that the Houston Texans would choose to build around Davis Mills as opposed to maybe giving a late draft pick to get Baker Mayfield? Because you can't, I can't imagine it's going to take very much to get him. Right there, you have a quarterback now. The Browns so.
1: How much better was Baker Mayfield than Davis Mills last year on a much better team? That is a reasonable. That is a reason. You and I point. chuckled. Davis
2: Mills was pretty sick. You at and times. I
1: chuckled at the building around Davis Mills. And if we put the numbers side by side yeah. per game, how much
2: different are they between Mills and Baker Mayfield? They also want to lose, like indiscreetly. They want to lose because right. they want good draft picks. Uh, as we discussed early on the show, the Lakers beat the Cavs last night. LeBron James had a thirty-eight point. Triple double highlighted by this massive dunk, posterizing former teammate. Not that one. Not this that one. one. Yeah, this one. Oh yeah, that. Which he kind of used leverage. Love is leverage to get even no, a little bit. No,
1: love was just trying to oh. take a charge and got caught. LeBron said he regrets uh, the
2: dunk, so I <laughs> will <laughs> listen.
1: And to be completely honest, I, I, I hate to have to be him. He's my guy. That's my brother, and. Um, I hope I'm still invited to the wedding. That's all. That's all I... You know, I, And that's not even in my all-time dunk, so I'll t- take it out. I didn't mean it. K-Love, I love you. And I'll take it back. I wish I could take those two points back and we'd we still win the game by nine, so...
2: <laughs> so uh, when you go down to play basketball at Global Jam yeah. and someone uh, dunks on you, would you no I one mean, theoretically be. have invited no, no them one, to your wedding?
1: No one will ever dunk on me. What does that mean? No one will ever dunk on me. Why? Because I will be nowhere near the front of the rim to get dunked on. Even if I get
2: caught there by accident, I will run like the wind. You play guard or forward? I'm just trying to think of where you would usually be positioned on the court. I
1: was a uh, six foot two guard in high school that couldn't shoot.
2: Yep. Those don't a, last very long in the, the basketball world. Not a good combination. World.
1: No. no. <laughs> not a good combination. But shout out Sherwin Ben. Yeah who was an All-Canadian. Eddie McGarrian, who was an All-Canadian that played point guard at Senator O'Connor. Okay? We had Courtney Dennis, played some Juco down south. Son's quite a baller right now, although the football type. Listen, uh, there was a long line of great point guards that I played behind. But I was a a two-guard that couldn't shoot.
2: You might have to dig up your basketball stats from 1987. (laughs) The NBA has fined Yusuf Nurkic $40,000 for confronting a fan in Indiana and throwing their phone. uh, Still not clear. Said something about his grandmother. Yeah, not not good. It was not good. I actually tweeted about it. Um, He said some bad stuff, the fan did. And Nurkic was fined, obviously, $40,000. Have you ever thrown your phone in frustration? Uh, 150 times. But that's... The NBA, like,
1: you can't have fans saying that kind of stuff thinking that you they're immune by holding their phone up. This isn't the Roman it's Coliseum. It's lucky he didn't get knocked the bleep out. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It like, is What are we ridiculous. doing here? I, I don't know. They're humans. He exactly. can't just say anything. Yeah, he said something about his grandmother Awful who passed from COVID. Ridiculous. That does it for us. Busy night on the network. There it is for your viewing pleasure.
0: Enjoy, and you and I... We'll talk again tomorrow. Peace to help.